everyone need to go to college? That is the question that Alicia Hutchinson and I addressed today. And what you will find inside this episode is a pretty robust discussion of um, both how our parents helped us discern that question and how Alicia, because she has children of that age, has uh, encouraged and discipled and kind of counseled her kids as they move into the end of their homeschooling career and into the actual real world. And I think you're going to find this is just loaded with a ton of practical information, wisdom, and encouragement for you as you do this. We also discuss how to help your child learn to think critically. And just Alicia gives some great examples of what that looks like practically every day. Um, I think you're going to find this uh, just loaded with wisdom and, again, encouragement for you on your journey, whether you homeschool or not, uh, how you're talking to your kids about their career, about their education, about their interests, their passions, and really helping to speak truth into them, to notice the things about them that you only can notice and help them just know themselves even, uh, see how God made them, their strengths, their abilities, their interests, and kind of highlight those as they are growing up. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great, great conversation. So I won't say anything else. So here is my conversation with Alicia Hutchinson. All right. So Alicia, you're back for part two of our conversation on education. And when we last, uh, talked, we kind of ended on a discussion that we, um, both have a lot of thoughts on. And that is do, does everybody need to go to college? Is this just a non-negotiable obvious next step for every single child that graduates high school? Um, and if so, why, if not, why not? And how do we help our kids actually, um, wisely navigate that decision rather than kind of ushering them into the next, the next phase, uh, as though it is just a given and something that, you know, any successful person has to do. Uh, so I'm going to let you start off because you are um, already in this stage with your kids and, um, you can just remind listeners the ages of your kids and where you're at with that. And maybe start with just some general things that you've learned and, and noticed as you have gotten to this stage of life. Sure. So we've been homeschooling for 16 years. Um, my oldest is 21. I have two sons and then two daughters and they are 21, 18, 15. I think I said 16 last week. That was wrong. 15 and 10. And so that would be an adult, a 12th grader, a 10th grader, and a fifth grader. And I will say, I will fully admit that this stage of homeschooling has probably been the hardest as they get to the end of their high school career. And they're like, all right, what now? And, and my kids' personalities all vary a lot. And so I have some of my kids that are like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I know what I want to do. And they're kind, I can kind of plan out their high school credits and things to kind of be conducive to what they think they want to do. Um, it would never like put them into a box where they were like, oh shoot, I'm actually not into that anymore as an 18 year old that I was as a 16 year old. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it's all, you know, that education isn't wasted, but, um, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm planning their courses and their credits and things like that. So if I have a child that is interested in nursing, I will give her more, you know, science lab-based classes, right? Mm -hmm. If I have a child that's more interested in going into some kind of trades, I can give him more business math, um, uh, entrepreneur classes, leadership classes, things like that, Mm -hmm. so that I can kind of help him set up his own business, you know, and lay the groundwork Mm -hmm. for that. 
So it is, uh, it is tricky, especially if you have a child that doesn't know what they want to do necessarily. But I love my parents. I love a lot of boomer generation folks. Uh, but I will say that I think that a mistake that has been made in that generation, I don't think maliciously, I think that they genuinely thought that telling us as millennials that you have to go to college, I think that they thought that that was the golden ticket way that we could get through life with less hardships than they had, had more money than they had. But I don't think they understood that putting us into a pipeline of public school to state universities or the like to then the corporate world has really um, done more harm than good for Mm -hmm. our generation of millennials. And now we're raising the next generation. Now we're raising generation, what would it be, Z or X or whatever, alpha. I don't even know. But now we're raising our own kids. And I think a lot of us are starting to be like, wait a second. I still have student debt. I'm not Mm -hmm. using my college degree. Mm -hmm. I'm not making what I was promised that I would make if I got this degree or I'm, I'm, I've gotten through life and I'm plugged into the corporate world and I've still yet to use my degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my husband, he's, he's had a banking career now for 22 years. And I don't think he's ever had a job that has actually said, you have to have X degree to work in this position. Mm-hmm. They look at experience, they look at right. skill. Um, and so I think that, I think that it was a real kind of a generational mistake. And I don't, I don't like just blaming whole generations for things like that, but, but I do think it's wise to look back and see what past generations have done and, and course correct just because all of our parents said that we should go to college for anything. doesn't matter. Just go to college. It, that doesn't mean it was right. I, I did go to college and I ended up getting an associate's degree because like I said, in the last uh, episode, I had my son at 19, my oldest, and I, I knew instantly I'm going to stay home with this child. And even though I wasn't going to, I wasn't planning on taking out a ton of loans or anything like that anyway. So it wasn't even necessarily like a debt issue or a money issue. I just was like, my time is just going to be better used. You know, I've already got some semesters, some credits under my belt. I'm just going to finish up as fast as I can because I'm going to be home with this child. I'm not going to use this degree. Uh, and I didn't even know what I was doing it for. I was just doing it. (laughs) I was just getting a degree and a lot of parents send their, their kids to school because of a lot of reasons. I think because of peer pressure from each other, Mm -hmm. If everybody else is sending their kids to school and they're not, they feel, I don't know, less than or whatever. And mm-hmm. I also think that uh, a lot of kids don't know what they're going to do when they're 18 years old. And so the best plan is then to just, well, just send them to school and they're going to have a lot of fun. They're going to meet people and they're going to figure it out along the way. Right. And it's just a very expensive uh, very risky, in my opinion, way to figure out what you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. And so we've done it differently. We have been very open with our kids about the the price of college, how much um, 
how much education has changed, how mm -hmm. it's kind of like, okay, you know how we sit around and we discuss ideas and we let every, mm -hmm. you know, we, we talk about like right now we're doing a world religion class with I'm doing with my older kids. We're not hiding anything. We're, we're reading everything. We're watching videos on YouTube. We're right. watching debates. We're watching lectures. We're laying it all out. And, and this is not the kind of education that you will get at, at a right. regular old college. Like you mm -hmm. will, your opinion as a Christian, as a conservative Christian is going to be tamped down. You're not going to be allowed to speak freely. Mm -hmm. You're just not. And so like the education now is not like it was 50, 60, 75 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, when maybe we could trust the institutions a little bit more to actually educate your kids. So right. we're being open with our kids in that way, but we're also saying, if it makes sense for you to go to college, we'll fully support that. Hmm. But it's not a place that we will, uh, we're not going to condone you going to college just to figure out who you are. Right. It doesn't make sense. Totally. Yes. I 1 million percent agree. You said all that so well. I think that that's kind of the crux of the, of the matter is the why, why are you going to college? Do you have a reason? Do you, do you have an end goal in mind? You know, I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about in our small group accountability time, we have kind of a rubric that we'll use. If someone says, you know, I want to study the Bible more. I'm really struggling to get in the word every day. We'll talk about smart goals. So specific, mm -hmm. measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. And as you were talking, you were like, you know, I thought, well, I feel like the response to what you're, some of the things you've said from someone who's very pro secondary education might be, so you're against education. So you're against your kids getting educated. The question is like, is the education they're receiving relevant to their life? Right. Because I think we'd all agree. You only have so many hours in a day. Like I'm not going to go spend 10 hours of my day learning underwater basket weaving when I live in Kansas and I don't even live buy a body of water except for lakes. And I'm not going to learn to weave baskets underwater. Right. So that'd be a huge waste of my time. It might be education, but it's not relevant to me. It doesn't help me be a better wife or mother. It doesn't help me with web design. It doesn't help me in my career in any way. And so I think anyone would admit and, and could see clearly why that's crazy. It's crazy to go get, you know, to spend your time on something that is not relevant to your life. And so what we're saying is, you know, the problem, it's so much of it stems from the system that kids have been brought up in, largely the public school system, which is really more of a mill, a man manufacturing plant for getting children to a certain age. It's not even so much like what is the outcome? It's just spending their life away. Right. And then we're telling these kids who have never had the chance to really focus in on even be asked what do you particularly like? What are you interested in? Right. Let's study more of that. Let's, you know, why don't you choose the book you want to do for your book report instead of it having be the same thing that every other student in class is doing or whatever. And so you're asking that kid, you know, at, who's now 18 to decide where they want to spend $50,000 of money they don't have go into debt with no yeah. idea whether what they come away with in four to seven to eight years is actually going to help them in life, is going to help them make money to pay back those loans. Um, I, I remember as a 12 year old, I started, my dad's an entrepreneur, he owns business. And I started, my first job was filing like alphabetic, you know, filing of literal papers. <laughs> and, um, back when they did that at the office and 
the woman that kind of oversaw me, her name was Beth and she was really great. I looked up to her a lot. And I think at the time she was 34. So literally like younger than me, a year younger. And um, she mentioned to me somehow in passing as I'm filing, she's like, gosh, don't have student loans, Haley. Don't get student loans. I'm still paying mine off. And I thought, 34? Like I thought of a college student as someone just a few years older than me at the time. And I was like, what? You know, that blew my mind. And it just, I think, you know, looking back to that, I'm, I'm, it's the norm though. It is the norm, right? It is the norm that even as you're having kids, you're still figuring out how to pay those off or hoping for student loan forgiveness, you know, to come through or something. And so I think, you know, the, the heart behind why we're saying this is because we don't want to see people make decisions that don't serve them, that don't help them actually in their lives, that they're maybe studying things that aren't relevant to what they're actually going to end up doing. Um, and there's just so little guidance on the front end for, for young people. And I, I think that's not because parents don't love them. It's just that a lot of parents have not themselves learned how to help their child or even themselves, how to think through, what am I good at? What could I make money doing? What are my interests? You know, like, what Mm -hmm. do I want to be when I grow up? It's almost like we've, we've had as a country forgotten that that is a question that we should be asking kids and helping them think through all the way through their education. Well, and I think part of it is because most of us went through the public school system Mm -hmm. and the public school system is not tailor made for individuals. It is literally for cogs in a wheel. Mm -hmm. And the more you really study the system and learn how it works and the changes that were made and when they switched from, you know, when the Department of Education was developed and all the things, we really are cranking out non-thinking kids, young kids, and then they're shocked when they don't know what to do with themselves, but they don't know who they are. They've never, they've never been allowed to color outside the lines. They've never been allowed to voice their opinions. They've been shut down. I mean, look at our boys. If you get up out of your seat, if you can't sit still, we're going to literally medicate you until you do. Like there's just no room for discussion. There's no room for individuality. Like God created us, created us all so perfectly and wonderfully and, and intricately giving us all gifts and talents and skills that were meant to be used to give back and to make society thrive, right? To use our mm-hmm. skills to create a good society. And our kids just aren't allowed to do that because right. it, you, it, but I, I say all that to, to, with the caveat that I don't know how you would do those things in a, in a public school setting, because it's like, how would you do that with all those? No, I mean, you really can't physical way. No. And so, I mean, of course it's another plug for homeschooling, but I can look at my kids the way that a teacher never could because she doesn't love him or her. Like Mm -hmm. I do you, I believe are the best mom, uh, for anybody considering homeschooling right now, you are the best teacher for your kids because no one else loves your kids like you do. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to stay up late, uh, researching the best curriculum. You're going to be finding the best courses for your kids. You're going to be researching college trade schools, technical schools, whatever. You're going to be the one like doing all of that because you love them Mm -hmm. to death. So it's of course it's, you know, it sounds like a homeschooling commercial, but 
I look at it and I'm like, my kids have the freedom to mm. go a number of different ways and they don't feel pressure to do one thing or another thing uh, mm -hmm. because they've been allowed to. Yeah. I want to tell you about a new sponsor that I'm so excited about, and that is We Heart Nutrition. We Heart Nutrition is a pro-life company that offers the highest quality vitamins available for women. They are patriotic, family-owned, run by husband and wife duo Jacob and Kristen. They have four young kids, and they saw a big hole in the vitamin industry for a company with wholesome ingredients, but also wholesome values. Now, supplements are not required by the FDA to be third-party tested, but We Heart Nutrition does that anyway because they want you to know what is in the vitamins that you're taking. Their supplements use the highest quality, research-backed ingredients, always in the most bioavailable form, which means that your body can actually absorb them unlike many other brands. They're unapologetically pro-life and donate 10% of sales off the top directly to Christian pregnancy care centers. Most of the major multivitamins are owned by corporations that donate directly to Planned Parenthood. Ones that I have used, I did not even realize this, Ollie and Smarty Pants, owned by Unilever, One A Day, owned by Bayer, Centrum and Emergency, owned by Pfizer. So if you want to put your money towards a company that supports your values and will deliver top tier quality supplements and vitamins, visit weheartnutrition.com and use code KINDLED for 20% off your first order. That is weheartnutrition.com, code KINDLED for 20% off your first order. Absolutely. I think that's so key. And, you know, even though we we only talked last week, I didn't really share what I have since shared online is that we, our family has decided to homeschool next year. Um, and I mentioned, yes, I know. <laughs> um, I did mention that I, you know, homeschooled myself. However, it's very different. I know being the mom and I don't think I really have much of a leg up other than that. I know that it, the outcome was good. And so I kind of have something at the end where I'm like, I know that this can work. It's just, I know it's going to be a lot of work. I know it's hard, all that, but something that you just said resonated with me because that is one of the things that coming out of a traditional school environment, we've been in a Christian private school, um, with really solid curriculum, solid teachers, biblical worldview is very important to them. I mean, all the right things, you know, at the interview, um, the principal told us this was like four or five years ago, but she was like, our goal is gospel is not behavior modification, but gospel transformation. And that's what sold me. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. And I loved that. And it, it made me excited to be there. And, and I, it's been a good experience for what it has been. Um, but at the same time, like, as I'm starting to think about becoming, the teacher and the mom, um, that is the, the like resonating or resounding thought in my mind is, but I'm not a official teacher. I don't have a degree, right? Everyone there has to have a degree, but I'm not, I don't, I haven't spent nine years teaching third graders how to do division. And I don't, I haven't learned the best way to teach this certain concept and, and, so maybe I'm going to stumble over my words and I'm going to do it wrong or they're not going to get it as quickly as they would otherwise. And that's going to frustrate them. And then I'm going to be frustrated. And, you know, just going down that rabbit trail of like thoughts of why it's not great or why why I'm not going to be the best. And um, and yet what you just said, I think, does trump it all because I am the mom. No one can love them more than I do, you know, and their dad does like no one is thinking about their skills or knows them as intimately as I do their interests, the things that they're, they're really good at knows the things they struggle with. 
even though their teacher's amazing and I love both of their teachers and I think they're probably the best teachers in the whole school, which is why I've been grateful for this year that we have at the same time, I'm like, that is just, that is true that we're, you know, we're the parents, God, God chose us for those children and them for us. And so I think that there's just a lot, there's obviously a lot of things we could say about that, but it, um, it is just really un de-schooling. This is a new term I've learned about, yeah. but de-schooling or unschooling yourself from, from what you have always been taught to believe, what you have always told yourself, the reasons you've said, this is best for us because fill in the blank right now you're starting to realize maybe that isn't true anymore. Perhaps it never was, but it's certainly not true anymore. And now you're really starting to ask, is that true of everything you believed? And I think that one is, is probably the biggest one that women, you know, moms specifically have to overcome is this lie that like, I'm not equipped and I can't do this. Well, I mean, we're, we're not, I hate to say we're not equipped, but Mm -hmm. we're, I mean, what really are we equipped for? I mean, we really, if as Christian moms, we have to rely and Mm -hmm. lean on the Holy spirit every day. Yeah. And we also have to trust that he is going to use this process to sanctify. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about last week and that's a good thing. It's good to see our kids, to see our humanness that we're Mm -hmm. sinners too. And that we are like, we're never going to reach Per, you know, we're never going to reach perfection. And so our kids can learn from us too, to, to humble ourselves. Oh, I don't know the answer. Let's look it up together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that, or just, you know, be able to say, I have been really ugly today and I'm so sorry, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, it's so good to have those days together, even the bad ones, because we can learn so much for that from mm-hmm. them. And we're not equipped as like, we're not like, we don't have teacher's licenses. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if we have seen, especially over the last year, um, I'm not quite sure if that means a ton. Uh, I agree. Like we had, I had fabulous teachers when I was in school. Mm -hmm. Like I said, my oldest went to kindergarten and he had an amazing teacher. It's no bash on teachers in general. Right. But you look around and you're like, uh, well, okay. I think I'm doing okay. Like there's just a lot, there's a lot going on. Everybody Mm -hmm. that watches your YouTube and your, in in your podcast understands there's a lot going on with the Mm -hmm. teachers today. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, you and I don't have teacher's licenses, but neither did like Abraham Lincoln's mom or Thomas Mm -hmm. Jefferson's mom or, um, a number of other amazing people that, I mean, I think we have to remember that that public schooling actually is a relatively new idea. Right. It is. Um, a hundred years ago, nobody would have thought anything if you were like, yeah, I'm just going to keep my kids at home in school. They would have been like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. nobody would have cared. And so, I mean, look at, look at Laura Ingalls Wilder. Look at how many times her books have been read and a, and a show was based off of it. And there's, you know, a, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, whoever owns the rights to those books is probably a multi gazillionaire. And she was taught a lot by her own mother. I mean, there's a million examples like Mm -hmm. that. And so if you have, if you have the desire to learn, there is, 
ways to figure things out for your kids. And Mm -hmm. then you can, and again, it does take time. It's not something to take lightly and think that, oh, I'm just going to sit my kid in front of a computer all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you technically could, but I, I don't, I think that's really missing a lot of the blessing of homeschooling. Right. But if you have a desire to figure things out, uh, you know, you and I, okay, you just said you're 35. I'm 41. I have learned more by homeschooling my kids than I ever did in K through 12 or even post high school in college. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, it was just the first two years of, of homeschooling. And I told my husband, I was like, I cannot believe what I did not know just by reading just by reading them, yeah. mm-hmm. not textbooks, but like mm-hmm. reading them good books, like actual, like living books that are like people's biographies and, and, uh, real accounts of history. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel kind of robbed actually. Like, I feel like I graduated mm-hmm. and I got good grades and I was told I was smart. I'm like, I feel dumb now. I feel like I didn't learn mm-hmm. anything now after teaching yeah. my five-year-old and my um, seven-year-old for a year, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is crazy how much I've learned in just a right. year or two of homeschooling my kids with them alongside them. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think even, you know, I you were public school, right? Mm-hmm. Even for me, you know, I was homeschooled through seventh and then went to a university mall school through graduation. But, um, and I, I had access to, you know, a four-year worldviews course, which I learned worldviews of, you know, other religions. I learned all the way from Greco-Roman history to today. Like I read, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, the founding documents, the Hamilton papers. Like I read a ton of books that really helped me understand, you know, partially is why I love like doing what I do on this podcast, because I've, I feel like it's a continuation of these conversations, but even still, I feel that I feel like there is so many gaps in what I know about. And especially like even just American history, like, like you're saying the biographies, like I know names, but I don't necessarily know events super well. Um, There's just a lot of things that are, that are gaps. And I think even beyond that, when you said like, oh, I graduated with good grades and I thought I was really smart. Well, you were smart according to the measures of the system that you graduated from. Right. But like, we have to go back and ask who put the system in place. What do they measure as intelligence or smart? What are the standards? How are they standardizing what success is? What's their measure of success? And then do we agree that that is actually what the measure of success should be? Because I could set up a, you know, any sort of system here in my home and say, okay, here's what success looks like. And the question is, is that actually accurate or not? You know, and is that best for the home? Is that best for my kids? And so I think that, you know, when you go back to what it was created for, why, why school looks the way it does today, where it's this arbitrary eight hour day, arbitrary nine months a year, arbitrary, um, 12 years, like whatever. And, you know, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't, you know, send your kids to school that long, but at the same time, these are kind of just randomly picked (laughs) numbers and the standards are set, like you said, to produce a product a product who is someone who will fit in to society and the model that serves the state and the government, not someone who's going to be a free thinker, not someone who's going to challenge the status quo, not someone who's going to live with a biblical God honoring worldview and ideals. It doesn't mean that Christian families can't over and against that, get their children through school, 
with a biblical worldview and they can land on the other side with two feet on the ground. Like there are people who do it. I'm not saying you can't do it, but you're going against the system the entire time. If you, if you actually get there, you really are swimming upstream the entire time. Some people will say, well, you know, but isn't that the world? Like we're, you know, lights in the dark, right? But your five-year-old isn't a light yet. Your five-year-old is the mission field. He's not a missionary. And um, I would argue my nine-year-old, even though I know she is a believer and I, I am confident of that, that she does trust in Christ, she's still extremely impressionable, like sure. to mean girl stuff, to all kinds of things, to things friends would share or talk about. Um, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but I just think that who sets the standards and who built the system, you know, it says a lot for for whether we're determining someone is smart or not. And this is something I was telling you before we started recording was I had a mom who I don't think she'll mind me sharing this because she shared with me in my DMs that she she was like, I agree with everything you're saying about homeschool. However, it makes me really sad because I wasn't homeschooled. I went to public school and I want my kids to have what you have. I want them to be able to be critical thinkers. The problem is I'm not even a critical thinker. I don't know how to think critically. I don't ha- I don't know how to discern truth from error. That's like, and she was kind of confessing, like, that's why I come to your page because I know that you can, and I would rather trust you than myself. And that's not my goal. I don't want to hear that. That is not a a pat on the back to me at all, but this is what I think a lot of people, where a lot of people actually are is that, you know, I might not really feel equipped to do this because I myself am am a product of that system. And how do, where do I even start? Where do I begin? Um, And then we'll get back to college. But what would you say to that? Well, it's true. I mean, like I said, that that is the goal. Like Mm -hmm. there's no individual, like, you know, there's no Socratic circles. There's no discussion. There's no real debate. It's just, we're going to read these books and this is the way it is. And we're not opening it up for discussion really. Mm-hmm. And we need everybody in the same very narrow lane. And if you step out of it, um, there's just, it's, it's just not a system conducive to kids really being able to use yeah. their be individuals and a really, really good book to check out for that topic. And like what you're saying with the standards and how the standards were set and all of that is any really, really any book by John Taylor Gatto, but John Taylor Gatto's Dumbing Us Down is excellent. If you Mm -hmm. just want to hear from a public school teacher, he, I believe is gone now, but he, um, he was like the New York state and New York city teacher of the year multiple times. And he has a lot to say about, Mm -hmm. uh, the school system. It's very, very, very enlightening. Um, but as far as like critical thinking, that is a really tough one because I don't know like how you teach that Mm -hmm. other than daily real life situations you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll just give you a few examples. We start our day, we watch world watch news, which is great. It's, it's just kind of current events from a Christian worldview perspective. And it's actually geared more. A lot of people with younger kids watch it, but it is actually geared towards like middle to upper, um, high school levels. But, um, uh, my 10 year old watches it too. So we watch that and we discuss and we talk about things there. Uh, 
our family is always talking about current events and the news. And uh, it really started with my oldest. Well, I've always been interested in politics and the news and things like that, but my mm -hmm. oldest definitely got the bug. And so he was always like talking about stuff over the school table when he was doing mm -hmm. school with us and stuff. And so we just always talk about stuff. And uh, like while we're recording this, we have um, this horrible situation going on in Israel. So the other night at dinner, it was all six of us around the table and we're all, including my 10 year old, discussing mm -hmm. what people are saying and what do we think? How, how do we think we should think as Christians? How should we view this as a, what, what, what would Jesus do? You know, like what, what are um, maybe some of the maybe weird things that you've seen lately or some things mm -hmm. that might be like propaganda? What are some of the lies you've spotted? So things like that. Right. Um, or like just with my 10 year old, we're driving and we see a billboard and she'll ask me, what the heck does that mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, that is not true. Is it like you teach them to not just be like on the lookout for lies all the time, but to mm -hmm. view everything. Um, just kind of open-handedly, like you're not going to just swallow every pill that somebody hands you, you know, you're going to ask, ask why it's okay. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, as a mom, sometimes it is a little annoying. Cause you're like, because I said so a million times a day, sure. because when you're raising critical thinkers, then it's like, Oh my God. Oh, yeah. That's, not, that's mentally draining, right? <laughs> yes. What have I done? But, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it, to me, it, I, I don't know how you teach it other than just daily mm. discussions and making a very big point to, you know, when your child does have a question like, um, mom, I heard my friend say this to not just poo poo them and to say, Oh, oh my gosh, it's time for bed. We can't talk about this. Like I have lost so much sleep, especially with teenagers yeah. because they're like, it's nine 30 and they decide it's a good time to talk about like feminism and the red pill men's movement and like how we should think about that. And I'm like, Oh my, that's God. just like my, my three-year-old saying, um, I need you to fill my water bottle up. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. literally an inch from the top. It's full. She's like, no, it's not all the way full. It's just right. I mean, part of right. it's probably like, I'd like to stay up a little later, but <laughs> it, it is, it probably is. But like, I mean, like I said in the last, um, in, in the last segment, I, I love the conversations with my teenagers. And I do think, um, I do, I do foresee this happening to continue with my 10 year old, because we have always just asked our kids a lot of questions, mm -hmm. ask them, what do you think? What do you think? Like mm -hmm. when we sat down, for instance, the other night and talked about Israel, we didn't just sit down and say, Hey, this is the news this is how we're going to think about it. This is our family stance. We asked, especially like our boys, they, they are very much, you know, on their phones in the news, whatever. We're like, Hey, what have you been reading? What, what do you think? What do you think is, you know, what do you guys think is going on? Like, what do you, what are you hearing? Like, I want to hear from you. And so I think when they're allowed that space to just talk freely, then we can help mm -hmm. kind of help them form the Christian worldview, we can look right. at scriptures together, but it's not just this battering ram of information. It's not, uh, also the opposite end of that spectrum, which would just be to like, n not even have the conversations at all, just to mm -hmm. say, Oh, I, we can't talk about this right now, you know, to allow the space for the conversation, but also allow their, um, their point of view too. And then to use all of that, to help them form 
mm-hmm. a critically thinking, but Christian worldview, because there are ways that Christians should think about things. But right. if you never take the time to have those conversations, I don't know how you hit hit on that, you know? Yeah, totally. I want to interrupt this episode to tell you about a new sponsor, and that is Good Book Mom. If you are a mom in 2023 or 24, whatever year you're listening to this in, you understand just how important it has become that we know what is in the books that our kids are reading. There is an agenda around every corner, it seems. And if you have voracious readers like I do who are going through a book every couple of days, you also don't have the time to pre-screen every single book they read. Um, And that's just not possible. So that's where the good book mom lists come in so crazy critical and so clutch because Corey vets every single book that goes onto these lists for biblical worldview to make sure that they uh, don't have anything that you would not want your kid reading. It just gives you the peace of mind and, you know, the certainty that that your kid is going to be getting something that is going to edify them, build them up in truth and something that you would approve of yourself. Good Book Mom provides a membership, which is a curated book list for ages zero to 12, filtering everything through a biblical worldview. Some of the many lists include biblical marriage and gender book list, puberty and intimacy book list, uh, kids theology books, good enough for adults, and baby's beginner library list. Visit Good Book Mom to see everything that comes with the membership, including other premium content and a book club that is coming in October. You can get $5 off a year-long membership with the code Haley at goodbookmom.com. That is goodbookmom.com. Use the code Haley for $5 off. And, uh, you know, we, we brought this up before we hit record as well, but, you know, part of that, the, the struggle that parents are facing when they, when it does come to teaching your kid critical thinking, when you're inside of a traditional school setting, like I am right now, is the sheer limitation in the amount of hours of the day, because, your kids are gone from eight to three. Yes. After the pickup or after the, yeah, the pickup line, they're home by three 30. Everyone needs a snack. So it's four o'clock. Um, then there's an hour before dinner for us. Cause we eat at senior citizen hours, but, um, you know, an hour to an hour and a half, maybe two hours if you eat at six before dinner time. So they're going to probably go change and play together and, go down to the basement or go outside. They want to have fun and I want them to do that, but that's not time that I really get to connect because they want to decompress. They want to imagine, they want to run, they want to play, whatever. And so I want them to do that, but then there's lost time. So then it's, we're sitting down and it's five o'clock and it's the first time I've sat face to face with my nine-year-old all day, other than the 20 minutes at breakfast. Right. And now we're talking and she's exhausted from the day and you know, I mean, it's, it's five o'clock. They, my kids go to bed at seven 30 or eight. So where in the, where in that two and a half to three hours, like, can I actually effectively truly teach my daughter a whole lot in that time? I mean, it's very challenging. Like I will say I'm thankful to God. Like it's been his grace that has caused her to, I mean, she's in a Christian school, so she is getting Bible curriculum every day. Like I know that they're doing that. I know that it's solid. They have chapel every Tuesday. So it's not as though she's in a non-Christian environment. That would be even harder, but, um, you know, so she has a really solid foundation. She loves to read. She, sometimes she gets home and she just wants to read like that's love. Mm -hmm. She will consume a book in two days, 
But I guess I'm just like being very honest about the amount of hours in a day that any family has. And then if you have like on Mondays, that's our busy night uh, because we have volleyball practice and I coach the team. So I have to go, we go from 6.30 to 7.30. So then the real time we have is 5 to 6.15. That is an hour and 15 minutes where I could say, how was your day? Any friend problems? What did you guys learn? What's going on? What are you thinking about? You know, and in some ways it kind of feels like I'm peppering her with questions, like an interrogation at dinner when she just wants to like exist. And maybe they do want to talk, but sometimes they don't feel like it. And sometimes they're tired and this is hard, right? Like, so that is, that is the, the problem with this traditional structure. Even when you're talking about Christian school is that the amount, the sheer volume of hours that are spent outside the home, away from parents, away from the family unit, when you distill that down and I have friends whose kids are playing three sports right now. So it's not just one night, it's three nights of the week. And then maybe they have karate or a wana or youth group. And then you're talking, you have like just what three nights a week. And that that includes Friday, Saturday night. So what is, where does the family ever just spend time together? (laughs) You know? Um, And I'm not trying to be, you know, doom and gloom, but it is just a very sobering reality when you actually realize like, the reason it feels so hard to teach my child these things is because I'm trying to do it in one to two hours a day when they're exhausted mentally and they've been learning and the best part of their day has been given to someone else. And it's, you know, I'm sure they've learned a lot. Like she's learning about the civil rights movement. She's really interested in that. And that's great. But whatever would be my priority to teach her about whatever, you know, when it comes to those things, like I I want to instill a desire to learn about current events like you're doing. It's almost like, yeah, mom, I mean, that's, that's crazy, but I'm kind of like tired of learning. <laughs> like, She's like, frankly, out. it's yes, She's absolutely. Done. And it's, it's completely fair. And so that's just the challenge that I think we're really up against um, in this traditional school setting. Thoughts on that? Well, <clears throat> well and I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to be discouraging to, I mean, I know that there are exceptions to the rule, right? There are single moms. There are people who truly financially cannot swing it with one Mm -hmm. income. Although I, I know multiple working moms that work full-time and also homeschool, it can Mm -hmm. be done. But I mean, if you are very intentional, there are ways that you can instill being Mm -hmm. a critical thinker into your kids just, but you have to be way more intentional than I, than I could be like, just, well, I shouldn't say I could be, I mean, if you have to, you have to, right. But you have to use every minute, right. You, you got to use that car time. You got to use that bedtime time. And the other thing that I should mention too, that when I, I am very intentional about, um, reading scripture with my kids every single day, uh, well, Monday through Friday. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we're in church on Sunday. So Monday through Friday, that's how we start our day every single day. And, I would say like to this lady that wrote you the DM, the way that you learn to think critically as a Christian woman is, you know, what scripture says so that you know, when you're being lied to. Mm -hmm. So like the other day we were in the car and we were behind this RV that had this like decal on the back that said something like spending the kids inheritance one day at a time. And it's, super awesome, whatever, however it said it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the the kid in the car with me was like, okay, well, that's not, that's literally the opposite of what Proverbs says, where you are to um, a wise man 
builds an inheritance for his son's mm-hmm. sons. And uh, so if they didn't know what that proverb said, then mm-hmm. they probably would have just kept on driving down the road with me and not even thought twice about it. But when you know what scripture says, then you can more easily spot a lie. So uh, that is probably the most important thing that, that we do every single day. And so they know what scripture says, and hopefully I'm instilling kind of this idea in their head that you get up, you have your coffee and you read your Bible. And so hopefully we're install instilling those habits that they continue Mm -hmm. to do that. But Um, I mean, it can be done. It can be done. You can teach your kids to be critical thinkers Mm -hmm. just because they go to school. It doesn't mean they're not going to grow up to be Christians. It doesn't mean that for sure. Uh, But and homeschooling is not some guarantee to Christianity. No, no, it's not. But I, I also, as a homeschool mom, I am, I do have the liberty to take all day long on a topic if I want to. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, I can stick something into every nook and cranny of time that I can with my kids, because there is a lot of it. There's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back to kind of where we started with this college conversation, where would you encourage someone to go who is, you know, in the years, maybe let's say like 14, 15, starting to think about, okay, this kid is headed towards college. Maybe I don't know how to help them think through what they're good at um, or what they'd be interested in. Uh, maybe there, you know, there's obviously some kids who have a clear idea from an early age or just show affinities, but then there's others that are like, I don't know. I mean, what would I want to do? So how did you start doing that with your kids? I want to interrupt this episode to take a second to tell you about my newest sponsor, and that is ACBC. ACBC stands for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Now, it will probably be no surprise to you that I am a big fan of ACBC. Our church has an ACBC counseling center, multiple certified ACBC counselors, and this organization is doing such good and important and necessary and God-honoring work in churches all across the country. Every Christian is a counselor. It's just a matter of being a skilled or unskilled one. ACBC exists to help fill churches with skilled biblical counselors that rightly understand and apply God's word to the countless problems of life. Their certification process is designed to teach right theology and how to apply it in phase one training and phase two exams, and then requires counselors to put what they learn into practice in phase three supervised counseling. There are hurting people all around us that need true hope and healing, which can only be found in Christ and the Bible. Visit biblicalcounseling.com today to start your journey to become the kind of counselor that God calls all believers to be. Learn more at Mm biblicalcounseling.com. Well, I think like what we said, just by being around your kids all the time, you really do get to know them and just you... Uh, love them. And so you're, you're like hanging on to their every word and their every movement. You're just watching what they do. And, you know, as moms, everything our kids do is just so, so amazing that you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't like you and I would be able to sit down and, and, and narrow down very intricate parts of our kids' personality that nobody else would. Right. Mm -hmm. I notice things about my kids that probably nobody else would. And what I like to do is I like to file those away. And then when I get the opportunity with that child alone to tell them, Hey, 
I saw how you reacted this way and that is amazing. And I think that like, that just reminded me of like what a, a really good nurse would do, or, um, you're such a good listener to your sister. Maybe you'll be a therapist someday. Maybe you'll be a counselor someday. And just like, I don't want to like, you know, railroad anything that's not meant to be. And so Mm -hmm. I'm very careful with what I suggest. Mm -hmm. Um, but like my, my oldest son, he, he really just is a born leader. Like he just Mm -hmm. does not, he's very headstrong. He's a, he's very good at telling other people what to do. Kind of like that oldest child Mm -hmm. gift. Right. I don't know about that. I don't either. Um, so (laughs) he, um, I told him from a young age, I'm like, you, you could run a business like Mm -hmm. an absolute boss. Like you are so good at telling other people, you know, helping them to, you know, find their own gifts and like leading Mm -hmm. other people. You're really, really good at that. So just seeing those things and maybe just praying for ideas. Like I, I am praying all the time for the right words for to not say something that would ever like hang my kids up. Like, Oh mom, you said I should be this. So that's what I've always thought I should be like. I do not want to do that. Right. Um, especially if you have a people pleasing child. Mm -hmm. And so I would definitely pray about it. Look for your kids gifts. Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, like in that junior and senior year, that 17, 18, um, just help them start researching, Mm -hmm. uh, what, what would that mean? Like, Hey, you are really good at, like I said, leading and, you know, figuring things out and solving problems. Um, I don't know. Could you see yourself sitting at a desk? And he would be like, uh, no, not at all. I'm like, I can't either. So what can we mm. do? You know what I mean? Like just yeah. kind of go through it together. Right. Um, I should have thought about it before I came on today, but I could, um, look it up and then pass it on to you. So you can like put it in the show notes or whatever, but we mm-hmm. did work with a woman, uh, for my now, 18 year old when he was over 16 and 17, she works with kids like 16 and up. She's a Christian, amazing believer. She lives here in Minnesota. Um, and she, she does this kind of a program. Like if your child doesn't know what they want to do or have like a clear vision, Mm -hmm. um, she will do like, it's kind of like a personality test, but it's more of like, in this situation, you know, which of these is the most appealing to you? Like, it's kind of a skills. Okay. Test, yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. like a thing. It's nothing like, um, Enneagram. what it, uh, <laughs> no, it's not any, yeah. it's not Myers-Briggs. It's none of yeah. those kinds of things. Skill, skills or interest assessment or something. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. what it is. And so, and so she has them do these tests and stuff, mm-hmm. and then she takes all that information and then she puts together like kind of an analysis. Just, it's very mm, like analytical. That's cool. It's that's very really cool. cool. And so it scores you on like, it was a very, like when, and then what you do is you go and meet with her for like three okay. hours and you go wow. over the whole report. And so I can give you her information. Too, That's so neat. Yeah. It I'm sure really people helpful. would love that. Mm-hmm. Even though my 18 year old still doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. We have a better idea of like yeah. what, you know, what, right. Cause we, we we're knew ruling his, things out too. Right. Ruling things out. Like we knew mm-hmm. what his skills and gifts were, but we just weren't quite sure how those fit into mm-hmm. like a job. Like how does yeah. this fit into a job? Yeah. So that gave us some some clarity there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, like I said, like with all of my kids, I don't want to take anything off the table Mm -hmm. unless they're like, Oh yeah, I just really want to go and study like, you know, 
something really crazy and bizarre. Like that doesn't make sense. If it makes sense to go to college, let's do it. If it makes sense to go to trade school, let's do it. If it makes sense to jump right into the, to the workforce, let's do that. If it makes right. sense to kind of dabble in lots of different things, let's do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that college can be done as Christians, I know that there is a, a belief out there that if you send your child to college as a Christian, that you're literally throwing them to the wolves. I don't believe that. I believe mm-hmm. that we need Christian nurses. Uh, we need Christian lawyers. We need mm-hmm. Christian um, doctors. We need Christian everything. Yeah. And so uh, if your son or daughter wants to do a career that requires a college education, it's okay. I think that you can get through it, mm-hmm. uh, with them, you know, intact. I would say, um, to my kids that are interested in going to college or think they want to go to college, I'm trying to encourage them to find a program that they can do that close to home so that mm-hmm. they can, can, so they can go through that at home and mm-hmm. they can go and, and they can live at home and they can go do school and then they can come back home to the normal. So they can have that foundation that they, they can come home to people at the end of the day that love them and don't want them to be destroyed by the culture. Um, so I think it can be done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we just need to pray for direction and Mm -hmm. let God, you know, let, let God do his thing. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. as homeschool moms, we're so used to directing everything and like, yeah you know, we are in charge of a lot. So we kind of think that that should keep going. And it it gets a little dicey because like they get to a certain age where it's like, okay, you do have to scale back because you want them to be able to function without you. Um, which is scary, but, um, we have to like the, the goal is to raise godly adults, not to keep our kids, you know, as infants, it it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So, right. Totally. Oh man. So many good ideas. What do you think about the idea of uh, a gap year or just taking a break after graduation, um, potentially working or exploring, you know, a career of a field of interest? Like, is that something you would ever think would be beneficial or? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I do. I have friends that have their, their kids have done it. One, one good friend of mine, her son is doing it right now and he's got Mm -hmm. so many different ideas going on. He's working Mm -hmm. and he's, um, he's got lots of different ideas. Actually, my oldest, I mean, you could definitely, you could probably technically call it a gap year because all the plans that he had, he graduated in 2020. So all the plans that he had kind of like fell apart because everything he was going to do was like, oh, we're not doing that program anymore or we're not doing that anymore. Um, And so he kind of was just like, well, I'm going to keep working. And he did. He just kept mm-hmm. working. He was he was managing a Chick-fil-A. And so he just kept doing that until he really felt like he was being led to um, go into like a like an auto technician. He went to a semester of uh, tech school for that. And he's like, Mom, this is not for me. And I was like, that's totally fine. Like yeah. you tried it. You figured out it's not for you. Um, and then in the meantime, he got a job offer at doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has worked out really, really well. He has a lot of freedom and flexibility. He travels all the time. Mm. Um, and he could definitely jump off of there and own his own, you know, business in, in those, um, in that, um, field. And so, yeah, I mean, he kind of took a gap mm-hmm. year too, to just figure it out. And he just, I think, I think what I tell my kids is like Elizabeth Elliot said, you might not know like the whole plan. You might not know everything you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. 
all you're supposed to do today is the will of God and to just do the next right thing. So maybe mm-hmm. that means just apply to a tech school that you think is going to be the right the, mo- the right move for you. Or maybe just apply to this job that you think is interesting or call this person that is a photographer that you think that sounds really cool and interesting and ask if you can apprentice. I mean, just do the next right thing and yeah. you'll quickly find out if that's right or if it's not right. And you just keep doing the next thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Very good advice. Um, You know, and if you are someone listening that has younger kids and you're kind of early on, um, I would, one thing my dad did with me, and like I mentioned, he's an entrepreneur, um, super successful, like from the age of probably eight or nine, I remember him asking me, what could you do what are, what are you good at that you could do that someone would pay you for? Like, what's something you could do for a job or even something you could make and sell? And, and so it got me thinking entrepreneurially at a young age. Like I, I did, did not know he was doing that. I didn't see the strategy in it, but I would just be like, well, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I could do. And he'd be like, yeah, there is like, you're good at this. You're good at art. You're good at, you know, creating things, you're creative, mm-hmm. whatever. And like, just noticing things that I was good at, like that maybe I would have known, but not put words to, you know, oh yeah, I actually am creative. Well, you know, even just as compared to siblings going like, look how, you know, she did this, but you do that. And your brother is good at this. And you're, you know, just noticing like the, the contrasting skills and abilities of your own children um, and not in a competitive way, but to help them even see in their little, cause I was homeschooled, like my peer group, you are this, you kind of tend to do this. You take the lead, you, you know, also your sin struggle is in this area, but like, you know what I mean? And so I I think that that was really helpful for me to see that from a young age, just the concept that I could do something to make money that someone would pay, someone would pay me for my skills or for my abilities Mm -hmm. or like that, just, that was always something built into my understanding. And so that helped me as I got interested in different things and really web design wasn't until after college and my degree did not help me at all other than exposing me to this as a as a field I didn't get any education in what I do today through my actual degree um you know I just started to see that there was there was a whole world where people like me could make money work from home have kids be working yeah. part time as much or as little <laughs> as they wanted get clients and I was like this is amazing. Like this is literally made for me. Um, and so as much as we can help our kids just think about those things, I think a simple question like that, what could you do that someone would pay you for? Like, and maybe it's right. Maybe right now it's cleaning and no, they don't want to go be a house cleaner for their whole lives, but just notice the things your kids are good at right now. And and that goes a long way. Well, and I will say one last thing too, is that having boys and having girls, I will say that I I'm finding myself parenting differently at this stage with helping them figure out what they want to do post high school, because I think that we need to be very uh, honest about the biological change that happens to a woman when she has her first baby. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to 
I don't want my girls to be locked into a ton of debt or some right, like crazy right. high power job that they went to school for 17,000 years for that. Yeah. Now they're like, oh my gosh, like now I have this baby I'm stuck. Yeah. And I I'm stuck in the career. Right. And yeah. I can't quit the job. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I'm talking to my girls about too. Well, not quite my 10 year old yet. She wants to do everything right now. She says she wants to be president. I'm like, oh. well, okay. Um, well, she would be, I'll vote for her. Okay. Well, she's your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't know if you want to do that, Vera, but like with my, um, like with my 15 year old, you know, she has interest in nursing and actually specifically like midwifery. And I was like, you know, Sophia, that's an excellent job that you could have as a mother. You could create mm -hmm. your own practice. You could work when you want to work. You could take as many clients as you want to work, wanted mm -hmm. to take and I think that as, as like, people are going to say, no, you, you need to treat them exactly the same, but they're not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Our, our sons should be providing for the family totally, and we yeah. should be encouraging our, 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 our daughters to, if they become mothers to be present mothers in yeah, the home, totally. because mm -hmm. I mean, if we want to help our society get better from the trash heap that it's become, we need mothers to be raising yeah. their own babies. And so yeah. that's something I just wanted to point out that that's mm -hmm. what I'm, I'm, I am like approaching it differently. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of teaching my boys, like get after it. You got to work hard. And not that I don't want my daughters to work hard. They already do, but it's like in a different way, mm -hmm. you know, um, right. with, with that in mind that if God has that for you, you're right. going to have to lay that aside potentially, or find a way to integrate what you're doing into your new calling, you know, so if that he does call way, you to be a mom. Yeah. So that either way, whether she has kids or whether she doesn't have mm -hmm. kids, she's prepared. She has the skills to do something that can earn her money. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, if, if God gives her a husband, if God doesn't, she has, she has the ability to make money either way. Um, but it's not in an, in an area where she, it's like impossible to leave Yeah, like totally. a brain surgeon or like a right. high powered, whatever. Not doing you, that from home. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that's also something to keep in mind too, as you kind of navigate this tricky field. Man. So good, Alicia, as always, there's so much more we could say and so much more that, um, should be said. So maybe we'll have to have you back on for, you know, the first ever kindled <laughs> part three episode. <laughs> well, from there, we just evolved into laughter and chit chat. So you guys, thank you so much for being here on kindled. I pray that that conversation was encouraging and uplifting and um, challenging to you. And I hope there's something that you can take away just one or two things into your life with your kids in conversation that you can add in, fold into just the everyday, whatever that looks like for you guys. And, um, be talking to them about what education is for, what the point is, what the point of college is. Uh, I know my not even nine-year-old has already mentioned to me, like, I'm for sure going to college. And it's it's hilarious how it's pretty crazy, actually, like how early they start to get these ideas of like what college is, what it's about, how cool it is, how great it is. And it's not that I'm going to tell her she can't go, but I just want to make sure that whatever she chooses to do is with some purpose and end in mind and not just for the sake of going. Um, so anyway, I know that this conversation helped me a lot. All right. Uh, come find me on Instagram at Haley.Kindled. Say hello and I will see you next time on Kindled.